This is Date to Your Potential, inspiring, educating, and empowering single members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Our hosts are Peggy Matheson, betrayal trauma recovery expert, and Sharon Collier, certified life and relationship coach. Hello, everyone. We are in episode 33, and I'm super excited to introduce my friend, Jason Clausen. He, um, actually, I I knew about him before I ever met him because <laughs> he was on our widow page with a brand new widower with sunshine buckets, these bright, cheery, happy buckets. And um, he's got a really inspiring story. Um, he's also a therapist, so he's got a lot of good stuff bouncing around in his head. Um, so we are going to have a really fun visit with Jason today. Um, so Jason, um, you were married to Val uh-huh. for how long? We were married, I think it was 12 years. Mm-hmm. 12 years. And how yep. long did she have cancer? Uh, she had it nine months. Nine months. Okay. Yep. Tell us a little bit about Val. Okay. Val was um, a lot. She was, everybody says she was everybody's best friend. Okay. <laughs> she was willing to talk to anybody and connect with everybody. So she would make, she was the type of person that would make everybody feel good. And whether you're 90 years old or whether you're a 10 year old, she would make you feel good. So um, she was always thinking of herself and always wanting to make sure that everybody was feeling their best. So that's who Valerie was and that's who everybody remembered her and how they make them feel. It's funny because at the at the funeral, everybody's like, she was my best friend. No, she was my best <laughs> friend. <laughs> so because she just made everybody feel good. So it was it was it was a great compliment. But again, she made everybody feel like uh, they were important and they were their her friend. Okay, because I remember there was a little sticker on your bucket that said, "Live like Val, be like Val." What be 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 like Val? Be like Val. Well, yeah, that sounds like that sounds like a good person to be like. Uh I wasn't quite sure. Um, So, how long after Val passed away did you decide to do Sunshine Buckets? (laughs) That's interesting because, uh, I mean, the the short version is she got diagnosed and then nine months later she passed away. And then for me, I felt like um, I went in like everybody else. I went into this. I lost my you have your funeral and everybody disappears and then you just sit and you're just like, oh, my gosh, this is hard. This is heavy. And how am I going to do this? And um I remember nine months later after the funeral, I get a call from my work saying, hey, we need you back to work. And I was working with adolescent girls that had years of trauma, sexual trauma and abuse. So I was going back into an environment that was like full of (laughs) so much more emotions. And I was like, "Okay, I got to go back to work. So I put on this mask. I call it mask of masculinity. Like I got to be strong and I got to do this. And. When people would ask that I didn't, I didn't connect with, I would say, I'm doing okay. I'm good. Yeah. Because I knew I could just kind of move them along <laughs> through the right. process. Right. Um, until I, until the people just would sit, some of the people that I knew cared about me, then I would open up. But if I could push them along, I would. 
Right. And this lasted for about nine months after my wife passed away. And it was, um, I felt like things were starting to get overwhelming and holding on to the mask was uh, too hard than opening up. And I remember specifically coming home one day from work and my 13 year old son looked at me and says, dad, you look angry every day you come home. Oh. <laughs> and, so and I need to stop and say, Jason has two boys. Yeah. And I, and I think as parents and people that gone through like, a, whether it be a divorce or loss, I think we're trying to do a good job of not letting people know yes. But in that instance, my son's like saw right through me and just saw, I was not very happy. So mm -hmm. I remember shortly after that, reaching out to 14 of my closest family, friends, people in my neighborhood uh, that are at the church. And I just said, I sent out a mass text and I just said, I am overwhelmed and I need you to come over to my house. And I want to open up and tell you how hard things have been for me. So I sent out this text and I came home that night after work and all of a sudden <laughs> the door started knocking and I was like, <laughs> oh no, I got to tell everybody. <laughs> People are following through. So we sat in my living room and we, I call it my intervention. Later I call it my healing team because in that moment, I, I remember pulling off my mask and pouring out my heart and just crying and just letting people know how things were going. And it was amazing because there's a lot of people that will want to help you, but you almost have to invite them into your circle and give yes. them permission yes. to help you. Because remember, I got my I got my brother, I got my sister, I got my neighbor, I got my best friend. They can only help you as much as they know. Right. And if if I have my mask on and I'm saying I'm okay, then they think I'm okay. So in that moment, I said, I'm not okay. I need help. I'm overwhelmed. And they just said, thank <laughs> I get emotional talking about this because they just said, thank you for sharing. Now we can help you, Jason. And I said, yes, and I need the help. So that's where we came up with our healing team where we talked about um, I had a team captain that whenever I was struggling or overwhelmed or triggered or <laughs> having a bad day, I could text my team captain and my team captain would send out a message to the team. And then my team would come into action and they would do my come over and do my laundry, come over and do my yard work, bring me dinners. And they would boost me up until I could take back some of those responsibilities until I was strong enough to to do it on my own. Right. I and, love this. How, I mean, did anybody ever complain about having to come over and do your lawn or anything? Or no, meal? no. I know they don't. People really want to help. But you also think about those people are grieving too. So this helps them. Yeah. So inviting them in to help you helps them in turn as well. That is so true. we need to look at that as a good perspective that, this is helping their process as well. Right. That is true. No, I absolutely love that. So who came up with the idea of the sunshine bucket and tell us what that is? So, I mean, before this, um, me and my wife struggled with infertility 
and uh, we went through this process and our last, I mean, this is a whole new <laughs> podcast, but our last two, uh, put our last two eggs in and we got pregnant. We're excited because we we're going to have another baby. And then um, we ended up having to have the baby early at 18 weeks and the baby didn't make it. A lot of people, a lot of people don't know that. I didn't know this, no. But that was like our first really traumatic experience of our life. But in that, our neighbors came over with a yellow bucket and they 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 had a bunch of fun, happy stuff that they delivered to us. And I remember that, I remember my brain took a picture of that event because it it brought peace, it made us happy, it kind of gave us kind of an emotional break from what we were feeling. Right. And that always that always stuck with me. And then when I was mm, struggling or trying to find peace again, I thought I'm going to do this again. I'm going to do give back and pay it forward to people that are struggling too. So mm, after that intervention, I remember quitting my job and taking the summer off with my boys because I wanted to reconnect with my kids yeah, and make some memories <laughs> that were happy and that could sustain us for a long period of time, rather than our memories of cancer treatment and the funeral and my wife passing away. That, that wasn't helping us become happy. Right. So you, I think people that go through loss, you have to do that and it helps you start to live happy, like to live for things. So outside of our front yard is we had a lemonade stand and our goal was to raise a hundred dollars for these baskets. And when we when we got done, we raised $1,500. That's so cool. My, my youngest son said, hey, we're rich now. I'm yeah. like, oh, but we we said we need to make more baskets. So I sent it to our young women's group in the ward and they begin and made 25 baskets. And we went to work. We went posted on um, social media who has lost someone who's dealing with cancer. And me and my boys began to go deliver these. And again, it began to be healing because it gave us a break from what we are experiencing by helping another person through a traumatic event. Right. And it's, I mean, that sounds, it might sound like a weird concept. Like I need, I need help, but if you're going to get help, you need a break right. and helping another person or doing service gives your emotions a break from what you're experiencing. You can breathe and you can feel good about doing something. So that's what we did. And, and it would be, it was, I always call it, it was the medicine that helped me and my boys start to become happier and whole again. And it was good medicine because it was medicine for a lot of people that got a, a basket. And yeah, really yeah. super cool. So we've changed the name now. Uh-huh. To... So we changed it. It was Giving Sunshine and now it's called okay. the Hope Hope Kit. And, and that connects with what we're trying to do is trying to find and give people hope back in their life. So, right. um, and it's been quite an experience to be able to meet people and talk to people and 
and and share this around the country, share this in different uh, countries. Yes. Yes. <laughs> well, I, I hear you're in all 50 states now that you sent yeah. a basket or a hope kit to all 50 states. That's awesome. Yeah, that was my son's um, goal. He said, Dad, let's get all 50 states. And I was like, we don't have time to do that. But it was something they wanted to do. And I just threw it up to Heavenly Father. And I said, let's make a way for this to happen. And, you know, it was amazing because my community and that is the widow, widowers group and people I've met in this journey really rallied and really helped this happen. So it wasn't me. It was it was Heavenly Father. And it was the widow community that to rally to make this happen and it was it was awesome to sit back and watch and and experience this firsthand yeah awesome that's amazing so i watched you on studio five <laughs> with brooke own it <laughs> yeah i was on studio five too um you had a message to people that are new and lost do you want to share that with us i really liked what you said do you want a reminder I want a reminder. Yeah. Well, you said get outside yourself. Don't don't get in. Yeah. There's a lot of people who go through divorce or have a loss and they and they go inward and they play the victim and and they're not productive. And there's a certain mm -hmm. point where you need to grieve, but there's a certain point also that you need to, you know, get outward. So yeah. you want to you talk about that a little bit. I just remember going through that experience and being a therapist and trying to help my kids. I said, I don't want to be 10 years from now dealing with the stuff that we, we are not dealing with right now. Right. So, cause, cause I, I've seen many people with the same experience as me, but it's been 10 or 15 years and they're, and that experience and those emotions have compounded and it made it so much worse yes. and harder to deal with. And I just said, we're not doing that. We're going to work. We're going to, I always say lean into the discomfort it's going to be hard, but we need to grow from this. And, and, and what I was doing is taking baby steps where I would go do something out of my comfort zone, where I would go, let's, let's just give church an example. Okay. So church was, church was really hard to go back and see all happy families and, and, and the message of like eternal families it was just like, this is just like super uncomfortable and super triggering. Right. So, so for me, it was like, I need to go and sit in this and, and listen. So for me, it was like, okay, Heavenly Father, I'm just going to go to church for, I'm just going to go sit in the, the front area. <laughs> and that's all I'm going to do today. And um, just baby steps. And then the, the week, the next week, I would go sit for like a half an hour until it was, it was, I could feel it and the emotions were really hard. And then I would stay and then I would step back. So I'd build some tolerance to feeling comfortable to where I wanted to come. So don't try to take on all at once yes. because it's, it's like the concept of working out on January 1st, we have good intentions of working out, but if we work out too hard, then it's like, it, it discourages us from moving forward. Yes. And this is just like grief and loss and losing someone and, and disconnecting from a relationship. You just got to do simple and small things. Yes. 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 Like eating the whole elephant. Yes. Wrong. So yes. perfect. Okay. So here you are 
all over the widow page and everybody's kind of pitching in and helping and everybody's spreading your buckets around. And you started dating. Can we talk about dating? Because yeah. you have a really great story. <laughs> Jason's married, but we're going to talk about Jason dating. So you started dating when in the whole process? Um, I started dating six months after my wife passed away. Okay. And how did that go for you? Uh, super uncomfortable. Yeah. But uh, a side story is I had two boys that were asking me, hey, when are you going to date again? And I remember one day driving in the car, my my son goes, dad, we need a mom. Oh, <laughs> rip your heart out. <laughs> and I was like, I get that, but I'm not ready to get you a mom right away. So <laughs> they were asking and it was, it was. It was a different perspective to to hear your kids say, we need a mom and um, how important that was for them. So I took dating um, really serious because I knew it was me. It was me and also my kids that needed someone in their life. So, but it was hard. It was difficult. Like I remember just getting on and going on online was a new experience for me and it was super uncomfortable. And, um, another side story is my son, my oldest son kept bugging me about dating again. And we, I actually ended up having him help me set up my dating profile because <laughs> he, 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 he wanted to be a part of the process. And I was like, okay, we'll okay. just, you can help me. And he helped me set that up. And I just, just, part of the process so that's just what we did that's so funny was he swiping was he like oh no not her <laughs> no he just asked the information and put it in and put the pictures and then he goes okay dad you're all set up now you're now you can ready to go so oh that's yeah. so fun so but so, um it, again it was hard it was difficult but again I said heavenly father I'm doing the best I can I'm just gonna try and if you can give me grace, that would be awesome. <laughs> right. So you told me a little story before we started recording about doing a little work, doing a little work. So you dated and dated and dated, and it was probably like beating your head against the wall a little bit because mm -hmm. you weren't really finding anybody. Yeah. And then you did a little work. Tell us about that and tell us about Kirsten. So I remember like I was dating, but I don't think I was doing my work to attract the right people in my life. And I remember waking up, it was January, 1st of January, a couple of years ago. And I remember looking in the mirror and I looked at myself and I was like, that's not me. That's not who I'm proud of. And I started to cry and I felt like this is not the person I want to be. And I got thinking, I was like, I need to work on myself. Um, and in that moment, I took time to sit down and write some things of how to work on me and how to become my best self. And at that moment, I put dating on hold because I wasn't in a position to track the person I wanted. So I began to work on myself, whether it be physical. Um, I hired a personal trainer to be able to help me work on myself. 
um, I went and talked to my bishop about like increasing my spirituality. I mean, I wasn't, I was, I was an active member of the church, but I needed to increase my spirituality. And then also I began to go to like therapy and talk more and do my work to be able to be in a position so that when Heavenly Father presented someone with me or someone in my spot, I could recognize that and be like, that's who I'm looking for. So I had to do my work in order to be able to be in a position to recognize and connect with the right person. So you and, were, uh, how many people did you think you were connecting with or you just weren't connecting really with anybody? I, I, I wasn't connecting. I might be connecting physically or like professionally, but not emotionally. Gotcha. Um, emotional was a big thing for me. I wanted someone that was emotionally and uh, emo emotional intelligent that right, when they, right. they, they could, they could express themselves or they could just say, I need help or I need to step away. Someone that was emotionally mature because I wasn't in a position to, to take on another client. <laughs> right. right. I, I, I wanted to be a husband and have right. a relationship. I didn't want to date. A, a, someone that I'm doing therapy with. So. Right. right. No, no, I, I know. I tell people if you want to fix somebody, it's like, no, <laughs> it's like fix you first. So that is awesome. Um, thank you for sharing that because at the same time you were doing your work, Kirsten was doing her work. Yes. Yeah, she was. But um, she, prior to this, is she lost her husband, Cody, yes. to cancer. And our, our stories are similar as far as nine months from diagnosed to dying, but she realized early on and seeing all the sadness with her family and her family had gone through losing another sibling and, and it was hard. And she says, I need to do my work and I need to work on me. And that leading up to when we, when we started dating or meeting, she'd done some hard things. She worked on herself, her spirituality, her physical, and she began to have the light come back on because she was working on herself. Right. So you guys met and it immediately clicked. Yes. Yeah, it was. Um, we knew each other from the widow's widower page. Right. And again, I think she recognized me. She's like, oh, you're the sunshine guy. <laughs> yeah, of course. I mean, I wasn't doing it. To title. <laughs> I, I wasn't doing it to advertise to. Right. Hey, look at me! But I was just doing it because I felt that was the right thing to do. Right. For me to heal and my boys, and yes. uh, so when we connected, it's funny because she had a different name on her profile. I always bug her about that. Okay. So when when we connected, I I was like, is that is that do I know her? So we connected and uh, we started texting back and forth and and I was like, this sucks. I'm just going to call her. So I just ended up calling her because I don't like messaging and interpreting. So I called her and our first conversation, we ended up talking for three hours awesome. and and it was just like uplifting. And I could tell right away she was emotionally intelligent and she was emotionally mature where we could talk back and forth about each other's spouses without getting 
frustrated or upset. And I could tell right away that, yeah, yeah, I, I could tell right away that she'd been doing her work because that resentment or that guilt or that shame wasn't just automatically transferred onto me. It was right. someone that had talked about it, got all the yuck out. Right. <laughs> so the yuck, so so she wasn't like throwing up on me. She was talking about it as though she had done her work and processed those emotions. Nice, nice. And and and, and I think from a therapist perspective, if you find yourself just when you get in a relationship and you just start throwing up stuff, that might be a sign that you need to do some work or take a step back and find a therapist or someone to throw up on Yes, and, until you can clear yourself out yes. so that when you get in a relationship, you can talk in a healthy manner. <laughs> right. That is perfect advice. That is perfect advice. And I love the story because I feel like that is a step that everybody skips, you know? Yeah that people really, it's like, oh, I'm fine. I processed the divorce. I'm not really all that angry or whatever, or, you know, I processed the death of my spouse. And some of our widow friends have been married and divorced, you know, really quickly yeah. because they didn't, you know, they weren't in a good place to find a really good, um, stable, solid person. So I love that. I love that um, for sure. And so you guys just fit together. You were just done after that pretty much. Because it fit together easily, right? Yeah, yeah. There was no couples counseling. There was no breaking up and getting back together. There was none of those unhealthy. It would yeah. just work. it just worked. But I will say there, there, there's. It wasn't like perfect because oh, well, we course. we we still had things that we needed to work out and figure out. And the biggest thing for us was learning to because we talked about that's your stuff and my stuff and. That's your and and trying to get away from that because that conversation brought tension and and yeah. frustration. And so we had to figure out how to put our lives together and talk about us and a relationship rather than us as two different uh, situations. Yes. And that was that's been hard and that's been growth. Um, but because we are mature we are able to get through this and and identify the things we need to do to to strengthen our relationship right you're probably both decent communicators if you've done your work so that is awesome can we talk about the baby yeah yeah so you guys you and Val had fertility issues and I read a big thing about her uh, or she wrote a big thing about her her fertility issues yeah and you guys got married and like three months later how I, it wasn't very long that she was pregnant. Yes. So her first came easy. And then a couple years later, then that's when we struggled with fertility. Okay. You and Belle. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Okay. And then with, with, with Kirsten, so with Kirsten, um, it's interesting because years ago she was told by doctors that she would never have children. Yes. I read all Doc that. It was very emotional. Yeah. Doctor said she would never have kids. She was okay with that. She was like, okay, I know my calling and what I'm going to do. And um, all of a sudden, last year, um, she wasn't feeling very good. So she took, a, she took a test and she calls me. And <laughs> she'll tell you this. She wasn't happy. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> because she's like, this is, this is against my 
our plan of what we wanted and this is changing everything. And it totally surprised and shocked me. And I was like, what, what? I, 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 it took me a while to wrap my brain around what heavenly father was doing for us, but it took us a while to be okay with being pregnant and having this miracle child that came out of nowhere. Yeah. So, and, and again, we had to say, okay, why is this happening to us? And what is, what's this actually trying to do? And it's, it's amazing as you can, you can take a step back and I think it's, God helping us as a family kind of grow together and really strengthen our relationships in a very unique way by having a miracle in your life. So, right. And, and, and the, the amazing thing is, is as I have looked back on my path, like he, he took away, well, I don't want to say it like that. So one of my, one of my children's passed away and my wife passed away. And I felt like at one point they were taken from me. But as we can have faith in God, now I can look back at that God has replaced and, and not replaced, but enhanced my life by marrying a sweetheart and my life and then having a miracle child. He's yeah. given me everything back into my life that he's taken from me. The thing that I'm able to benefit from is the growth and the person I am today because of that experience. So it's like trusting the process of what you're going through. And being able to be willing to allow God to teach you and walk your path instead of being angry and upset and just say, why am I going through this? I hate you. This is not right. But it's like, okay, what, how do I get through this or who do I need to connect with? Right. Okay. I, I love it. The baby's adorable. Her name is Maisie? Macy. 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 Okay. I wasn't sure. My son dated a Maisie. <laughs> I think it's spelled about the same. So Macy, is, mm-hmm. that's adorable. And that did bring you, I mean, that did. You were talking about, you know, your stuff and her stuff. And now it's it's all our stuff, baby. You know? Yeah, it is. Yeah, it's our world. Yep. So that's just fun and exciting. Um, do you have any advice for us singles out there who are just struggling to connect or struggling to find our person. I I think it's going a couple of things is like doing your work and you might need to include someone in to help you figure out what your work is and your work can look in many ways. And I'm not telling you everybody needs to go to therapy. Um, that might not be your road, but take a look at yourself of what things you need to work on. And if you're willing to do that, then it's going to put you in a spot that's going to allow you to attract or connect with the right person. And I always I always um, say the opposite of, of loneliness and depression and grief is connection. Yes. And, the, and the, the way that we are going to have people in our lives that's going to help us is by connecting and being being vulnerable and being authentic vulnerability invites vulnerability and if we're not doing that then we are pretending and we're not going to be attracting the right person so doing your work and being connecting with people in an authentic way so are are such valuables that will allow you to attract the right people in your life perfect Perfect, perfect advice. So 
how do we find you? How do we find the love or the hope kits? So the hope kits are on hopekit.com. Okay. Can, we have a website. Okay. And uh, can, can people make donations through there? Yeah. Uh, what we try to do is we have people sponsor a box. Oh, okay. So I like looking at it that way. So you can get on and you can either purchase a box and we can find someone to deliver it to or send it to, or you can purchase a box and you could send it to someone that needs help. So awesome. someone who needs that, a, little, a little sunshine. Yeah. And, and, and I always encourage people to do it, order one to your house and go deliver it hands on because it can be such a powerful experience and take you out of that. I'm struggling to, I really help someone out. And that experience can be able to change your perspective about how to find happiness and, and be happy again. Right. Awesome. Okay. So um, Jason, thank you so much um, for helping me out today. Uh, Peggy You're welcome. back in Louisiana with her sister who has cancer and we are praying for her for sure. Um, listeners, that is it for this week. We will see you next time. for listening. We hope you enjoyed today's episode and that it inspired you on your dating journey. Please share this with anyone you think might benefit from what you've heard today and subscribe to our channel. Check out our website at datetoyourpotential.com and take our free quiz to see if you are dating to your potential. We want you to know you are not alone. We support you. We are in this with you.